Welcome to Strong Tower Baptist Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at strongtowerbaptist.org. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 5. The book of Acts, chapter number 5. And we're going to be in this for five weeks. Brother Brandon's going to help preach through this, as is uh, Brother Jody. He's down in Georgia preaching a meeting. Uh, Kicked off today. He'll be down there most of this week. But we're going to use both of our pastors uh, to help with this as we launch this New Year theme. What is this New Year theme? Reset. I typically preach through books, and you all know that, preach verse by verse. Uh, but I'm actually going to attempt to do an acrostic. I don't even do acrostics, but some of y'all say, what is an acrostic? So we're going to put, we're going to put each week is going to have a sermon title uh, that goes under the word reset. And today, it's rise up. Today, the title is rise up. Over the course of the last 10 to 11 months in America, and I'm going to say this, and this is the only time I'm going to say it today. Um, there's no agenda with me. There's no, there's no hook in the water, so to speak. There's no dagger. I'm not poking and gouging nobody or nothing like that. Uh, but I'm not, I don't want to get muddled down and spending time today apologizing or spending time today um, kind of uh, giving disclaimers. Uh, I just want to preach through this text. I believe it's what God's given us uh, for today. But over the course of the last 10 to 11 months in America, we've endured abrupt and endless change. Bobby, good to see Bobby with us today, amen. Uh, we've, we've endured abrupt and endless change. And this change has been seen at work. It's been seen at school. It's been seen uh, at church. It's been seen at home. It's been seen just about everywhere that we can possibly think of. Abrupt change. Um, And much of it rightfully so, no doubt about it. Some within our church has lost loved ones through natural causes, some through tragedy, some through disease, things of that nature. Some within our church is still licking their wounds over this previous, this last political season. Some haven't got over that yet. Wish it would have went this way. Wish it would have went that way. Some are happy with the way it went. Some are, are not so happy the way it went. And it's as if we are stuck in, it's almost like we all wake up every day thinking, just bring it, whatever else you got, just bring it on, you know? Whatever, you know, like our kids were supposed to go back to school this last, which they did, but first day they're supposed to go back and it, what, what, what it snowed them out, I guess, something like that. And uh, it's as if there's something every day that's keeping us just suppressed. During this season of the last 10 to 11 months, uh, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, I'm the pastor here. And I see the spiritual side of this. 
There has been great outreach efforts that's went on at Strong Tower Baptist Church. There's no doubt about it. There is more outreach going on today than there was this time last year. And I say amen to that. But there's also been great spiritual falling away. And there's been great spiritual falling away in our church. And I don't think nobody intended for it to happen. Nobody intended for these things to happen the way they've happened. We need to be very aware that the enemy has a paralyzing plan to keep us powerless and stagnant in our walk with the Lord. So long as we live each day in the shackles of yesterday, we'll be powerless today. So long as we stay marred up in the muck and mire of mediocrity, we're going to stay shackled up. So long as we remain silent and just kind of mosey on through life, we're going to be shackled up. So long as we refuse to do a self-examination and look at the realities in our life and in our community and in our nation and realize that we are living in the last days. There's no doubt about it. And you know when the last days started? When When Jesus went up. That's when the last days started. So it's not a wrong statement to say we're living in the last days. I just tend to think that we're living in the last of the last of the last days, right? So long as we quit and pull back and pull back on the reins and lock the brakes down, we're going to stay in shackles and we're going to live a life of spiritual mediocrity. It's as if in some cases... There's a breaker flip. Just like we went back in that little mechanical room and flipped the breaker off of all these lights right here. As long as that breaker stays kicked off, you can flip that little switch on the wall all you want. But you see, the current of electricity has been stopped. There's no electricity going to get to those lights. And it's almost like the breaker has been flipped in the church. And I'm, I'm speaking to Strong Tower, but also the church as a whole. It's almost as if the breaker has been flipped. And we have been given legitimate excuses uh, for several months. But now that legitimate excuses has uh, came about, now any excuse will do. And Sean Tower, if there was ever a time for us to reset, it's now. You know why? Our nation is in political upheaval. Our nation is still as wicked as it's ever been, more wicked than it's ever been. Our families are struggling. Our nation is struggling. Our communities are struggling. Our children are struggling because of everything that's went on in the last year. The state of our nation, the state of our community, and the lostness of our families is still very present in our day that we're in today. There's always been hurdles and fears to face all down through the ages, and they come at us in many different ways. But today, we're going to focus on the very real need to reset. I know this, but there's no doubt in my mind, this is the biggest pulpit I've ever seen in my life. I never get used to it. Brandon loves it. He said he'd preach behind this one all the time. It's huge. I'm waiting on somebody to jump out of there or something. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in the I'm waiting for it to 
knowing some of these crazy guys here, they'd liable to try to pull a prank on me and do that. But there are folk that's probably here today that'll reject this. There's folk that's probably watching online that'll reject it. There's folk that aren't here and aren't watching online that's already rejecting it. But church, we're going to read from God's Word. And listen to me. First century church went through far more than anything we've ever went through. Just as our culture has become pansified, so has our church culture become pansified in a lot of different ways. To reset, we must, number one, rise up. Let's look at Acts chapter number 5, verses 17 through 21. Then the high priest rose up and all... The, so I'm, I'm gonna give, Before I read this, I'm, I'm just kind of bring you up to speed. So here are the apostles. They've, in the first part of chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied about what they had gave, and God struck them both down uh, uh, dead. Was it because they didn't tithe? No, I know it's been preached that way. That's not what it was about. Was it because they didn't give what they... It's because they lied. They had lied about what they gave. They led people to believe they'd done exactly um, what others had done, and they lied. And God struck them down dead. Now, you're talking about setting a standard for lying in the church. This is the very first part of the new church that the Lord Jesus has, has founded himself upon his blessed name. And you want to say, how serious is lying? Well, some of the two, two of the first people in the first church, God killed them for lying. Amen. Right? So then it goes on and there's miracles taking place. And you look at verse 11 through like verse 14, 15, we see uh, that miracles are taking place and business is picking up. And the church is off and running. But now the religious elite are ticked off. They're agitated, they're mad, they're scared. And the first religious elite that we see rise up against them is the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the divine, the miraculous, things of that. They didn't believe in that. That's why they are sad, you see. I had a professor teach that one time, and it stuck in my head all those years. And I'd have to say that's a pretty, pretty good. That's a pretty good way to remember what a Sadducee is, right? If you don't believe in the, the divine, you don't believe in miracles, you don't believe in the resurrection. You are definitely sad. You see, <laughs> Doctor Harold Wilmington said that. We must rise up. Now let's look at verse number seventeen. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night, the prison doors, and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And, and when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they were with them and called the council together in the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, the, the prison truly found we shut up all safety and the, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. 
Now when the high priest and the captains of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereinto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in the prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. It's very important to know why the Sadducees were so tore up. They didn't believe in the divine. They didn't believe in the miraculous. They didn't believe in any of those things. And they had them put into prison, and now they're no longer in prison, but the prison's still shut up. So they've got a lot at stake here. What they teach and what they believe is all on the line here. But the Lord has already overcome everything they believe through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So to reset, we must, number one, rise up. We must walk through the doors that God has opened for us. I'm just going to bet that those apostles and those that were put in prison by the religious elite, I'm going to bet they had worries. I'm going to bet they had concerns. I'm going to bet they worried about being beaten. I'm going to bet they worried about getting out to be with their family. I'm going to bet they had all the same worries that we would have if we were put in prison under those conditions. But notice when the angel of the Lord opened up the prison, they didn't sit around and have a debate. They didn't sit around and have a meeting. They didn't form a committee on whether they should walk out. But the Bible says they walked out and they did exactly what the angel of the Lord told them to do. So the fact that the work of the Lord was manifesting through the ministry of these apostles and growth was taking place, these Sadducees had to double down to try to shore that up, but the angel of the Lord opened up the prison and let them out. Do you know the Lord turns them loose that they may minister the truth? Let me ask you something. Who else has truth in this nation besides God's children? Who else has hope in this nation besides God's children? Who else has the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ besides his children? Man put them in the prison, but God opened the doors for them. He instructed them to speak the word in the temple. He give them, He didn't just open the doors and let them wander out. He gave them direct command. He gave them direct instruction on what they're to do. Guess who else has had direct command on what to do? Everybody that's in this sanctuary that's saved. Everybody that's watching that is saved. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that we're supposed to take off and we're supposed to quit and we're supposed to quit sharing the gospel. We're supposed to quit ministering. We're supposed. Nowhere does it say that. And if there was ever a time that we need to double down in our faith, it is right now. There is no hope outside of Christ. There is no hope outside of the gospel. There is no hope for anybody that dies without Jesus Christ as their Savior. Every person that dies without Christ as their Savior goes to hell. Whether it's from cancer, whether it's from COVID, whether it is from, uh, from a car accident, everybody that dies without Christ goes to hell. The very thing that got the apostles in this mess that they're in is the very thing that the angel of the Lord tells them to go back and do. Look at that. The angel of the Lord he opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. The Lord has saved us to be free in him and to carry the ministry of the church. 
John 8, 36, Jesus said, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Now hear me out, church. We can come up with many excuses. And if we're not careful and we run out of excuses, other people will come up with excuses for us. To stop, to pull back, to pull back the reins. All the excuses. I've made them up too. I've got them too. Things are just weird. I don't know how many times I've said that. Things are weird. They are. Things are just weird. and It just seems weird. And we're stuck in weird and we, we've kind of pulled back. Things are just scary. And they are. Things are so volatile right now. It'll all smooth out soon. But what's happening to us while we're waiting for it to smooth out? What's happening to the church as we're waiting for things to smooth out? What's happening to families as we're waiting for things to smooth out? What's happening to families uh, and to children as we're waiting for things to smooth out? Now imagine, if you will, these apostles looked at the angel of the Lord and said, you know what? They're going to throw us back in here. They're going to beat us. They're going to kill us. I appreciate what you're doing. I know you mean well, oh angel of the Lord, but we're just going to play it safe right now. We're going to stay put. Because it's going to be bad if we don't. Is that what they did? No. They went out and did exactly what they were commanded to do. What about when others make excuses for us? Others tell us why we need to do what we're doing. Now, church, I haven't said a lot about this, and I'm not saying it here to pat me on the back or Brother Brandon or anybody in our leadership, but in the last year, I have received more criticism than I have in 10 years. And most of it wasn't about my preaching. Most of it wasn't about our singing. Most of it wasn't about that. But it was about everything that was being thrown at us through the news and the realities of things going on in our community and around. And criticism has been at an all-time high. Christians turning on one another. Not over doctrine over preferences, over fear, who God is not the author and the father of. Others criticize us if we do not follow every little protocol that they follow for life, for home, and for church. And all the while, the enemy's just stirring. Just stirring. Titus 2, 14 and 15, the Bible said, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto him a peculiar people. You know what peculiar can mean? I'm not saying it doesn't mean weird. I'm not saying Christians are weird. But peculiar means peculiar. It's you you should stand out. It's not that you're setting out to stand out. But you know what? If we're living in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're living in his word, we are going to stand out. We're going to. 
No greater truth has been spoken in some time here than what Sister Melissa said last week when she stood and she said, it doesn't matter what the world says about us and what the world thinks about us. We belong to the king. Titus 2 verse 15, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Look here. He says, let no man despise thee. The word despise here means to disregard. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been purified as a peculiar people. He says, let no man disregard you. Let no man push you off to the side. I'm not talking about standing up to somebody like you're going to fist fight. That's not what I'm saying. Don't let people disregard who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been saved from the grave. We've been brought from death to life. And he has set our feet on a solid right. Not that we just stand there, but that we proclaim truth, that we proclaim hope. That's what we're to do. I'm tired of waiting for things to get normal. Because guess what? It ain't never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's never going to get normal. The Lord has an enormous door opened up to teach us, or up to each of us to minister in word, in action, and in deed. And that's exactly what he did to these apostles. He opened that door up literally, let them out of prison, told them to go right back in the temple. And he said, you tell them all the words of this life. I want you to think about this, church. Stop and ponder this. What if, what if February the 7th of 2022 were in the same old, same old we're in today? The world started unraveling. Little did I know that myself and nine other people of, of Strong Tower was all in a hotel room trying to get back to Tennessee, in Manila, Philippines. When the world's unraveling, the last place you want to be is in Manila, Philippines, because that place is unraveling anyway. Just wanting to get back. Who would have thought that a year later we would all still be muddling through the life that we're in today? Who would have thought it? None of us. So what if church on February the 7th of 2022 were individually still unengaged? What if we haven't fellowshipped a year from now and now it's been two years? I'm just asking, what if? What would it look like? What will the church look like? What will the hope of each individual New Testament church look like? How much beams of hope will be coming out of the church? And you know what I pray? I pray that God take our fear away. Because I've got it too. I've got fear just like you do. Take our fear away, Lord. Take our concerns Mold us and craft us to be what you would have us to be. John 4, 35. 
thinking about that thought, what if it's a year from now and we're still in the same old mess? Jesus said, say not ye that there are four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. The Bible says in Luke 10 too, Christ said the harvest truly is great. And you know what? He never corrected that statement. He never later on in a few other chapters or a few books later, you didn't see the words in red come back and say, well, the harvest has been made. There's no more harvest left. That statement still stands today. The harvest truly is great. But sadly, this is the case too. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. A lot of new people at Strong Tower. A lot of you all are new people here. And I say this, not in my notes, but I, I, I felt the Lord speaking this or certainly feel like the Lord was speaking this to my heart sitting there on the front seat during worship. He didn't send you here to sit in a chair and do nothing. He didn't send you here to observe everything for the longest of time and then maybe finally make a decision to hop on board. He didn't do that. The question is, are you being fed the Word of God? Are you being challenged by the Word of God? And if those things are the case, quit sitting down and doing nothing and let's get in this thing and let's rise up and move forward for the cause of Christ. I say that to our new folk. And for those that's been with us a while, I say to you, let's rise up and move forward. But if you don't rise up, we're still moving forward. If you decide to sit back, pull back, pull your family back, pull yourself back, man, it's my job to do my very best to try to help you along. But guys, you got to stand up. You got to rise up. You got to want it. You got to go after it yourself. When the parable was spoken about the, the, the marriage uh, feast that was, that was prepared, he told him to go out. And he said, bid them all to come in. Amen. Tell them all. Bid means invite. And he did. He invited them all. Guess what's in an invitation? And in, in an invitation, there's a time, there's a date, there's a place. You know when it's going on. He comes back in and he says, I've invited them all, but it just ain't happening. And the, and the king says, you go out to the highways and the hedges and tell them to come in. Notice he didn't say, go out there and muddle around with all those that's already got the invitation, that knows what time everything happens, that knows what's going on. Don't, don't go back, listen, you've done, you've done invited them, they know all there is to know, but you go out into the highways and the hedges and you compel them, go out and get the halt, go out and get the, the crippled, go out and get those that nobody else is getting, that it may be full. I don't say that with disgust, I don't say it to be ugly, I, don't, I really don't, but... I, I, I'm just giving you my heart. I'm tired of waiting for things to get normal. They're not going to get normal. You know why? Because we're in the home of the hounds of hell. This is not our home. We're only passing through. We've only got a short time to share the good news of Christ and to share the hope of Christ. This is not our home. 
So let's quit waiting for things to get normal for people who are living in a place that's not even their home. The people that's not saved, they're not our people. We want, to, we want them to be our people, but they're not. Let us quit worrying about what the lost is saying about the church. They've always hated the church. They always will hate the church. Sadly, it's church people turning on the church. But church people don't equate salvation either. There's a lot of people in church that don't know Christ. Amen right there. That'd preach a whole other message, but we'll carry on. To reset, we must rise up. And number two, obey God over man. I'm going to fast forward a little bit here. Look here. So they went straight to the temple. They taught. The high priest comes out the captain of the temple, and these chief priests, and they all catch up with them. And look here at verse 28. He said, they said to them, they said, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in the, this name? Boy, they're awful concerned about that name. Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, I'll Man, I love this. Oh, if this was true about our church, if this was true about me, if this was true about everybody that's with us today, he said, behold, we told you not to teach in this name, and you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You've not only not obeyed, you have filled the whole city with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Did we not straightly command you to stop teaching in this name? And you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. They now must face the consequences of obeying the Lord over man. They arrest the apostles and stand them before the Sanhedrin council. And here they stand before the religious elite who has great power and great influence. And they start saying, did we not tell you to not speak in this name? Stop. Quit. Don't do this. They were in authority. Did you know that? We know the Bible teaches that we are to live peaceably with all men. We're to do our absolute very best to do that. We're to be meek as part of the fruit of the Spirit. We're to be kind. We're to be long so We're to be all those things. But when it comes to the house of God, Washington County, the state of Tennessee, the federal government, or any world power does not supersede the word of the living God. Amen. And I'm not out to debate it. I don't have time to debate it. We're not going to debate. I'm, not, I'm called to preach, not debate. Amen. Rather than listen, they had filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. They fulfilled Christ's command to preach in Jerusalem first. Look at Luke 24, 47. Jesus said, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. They were literally doing what they had been commanded to do. And it was working. It was getting under the devil's skin. 
It was getting under the religious people's skin. It was getting under the government's skin. And you know what? It still does. Does it really matter what people say about Strong Terry Baptist Church if our community is saturated with the gospel? Does it really matter? We've elected to have our Easter drama. I know people, some people aren't going to like it. I know some people will fuss about it. I know some people are going to say, can you believe they're having that Easter drama? Can you believe that same ignition switch that takes you wherever you want to go? If you don't turn it on, it won't take you where you don't want to go. And I say, practice it. I don't say that hateful. I'm just being honest. Why are we doing the Easter drama? Because his message is worthy. And we're commanded to share it. Well, ain't nobody going to come. Well, there'll be a cast here. First of all, I think we'll be surprised. Why are we doing it? Because I'm tired of waking up, waiting on normal. I'm tired of waiting on normal. And if this offends you, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend nobody. I'm just, man, I'm just, it's down in my, down in my, just, ooh, it's down deep inside of me. Let's be the church. Our goal should be that Gray, Boone's Creek, and Johnson City knows that we, what we believe and, and that we believe what the Bible says. They might think we're crazy, but I want them to at least know that we believe what we say we believe. I want them to know that we believe what we say we believe. That we believe that Jesus Christ is in control. That we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has everything in the palm of his hand. That we believe that we've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ to go and tell the world about him baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That that's our commandment. And nowhere in the Bible does it ever cease. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever end. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say pull back. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to pull back even when things are dangerous. Things were really dangerous for the first century church. Like they'd kill you, cut your head off, burn you alive. Your head would come apart from your body. Wouldn't it be great if we were accused of filling our area with our doctrine? Wouldn't that be great? Peter and the apostles respond to the council. We ought to obey God rather than man. There's been widespread debate and opinion about church's response to this dreadful and nasty season that we've been in the last year. And I made it an early, I made an early decision on that I am not going to criticize any other pastor for how they lead their church. Because did you know that each church has its own personality? Each church, if I did at our church what some other pastors did, and they're right for doing what they did, they know their church. It would have split our church. No joke. If I mandated 9 a.m. at 11 a.m., I, I, 
I can't believe I'm telling you this. I'm just laying it on the line. If, if I'm just telling you, as, as pastor of this church, if I did 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and mandated it for everybody, it's split a church. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's reality. It's reality. The apostles shared the reasoning and the power behind their position. But speaking of this widespread debate and opinion about churches and their in response to churches during this nasty season, we gotta stay steadfast in the work and the ministry of the Lord. We gotta respect one another. And we gotta love one another. And we got to sometimes agree to disagree, as I said a few weeks ago, but not become disagreeable. Not let it split us. Amen? Has things looked different? Oh, they have. But church can't stop. Ministry can't stop. Online ministry is a wonderful tool But it's not the same. It's not the same. We're going to keep doing it until we can't do it no more. Why? Because it's just another hook in the water. It's just another way to reach people. It's not the same. I'm begging us as a church to cry out to God and seek how we can take active part in spreading our doctrine in our community. We're about done. The apostles shared the reasoning behind the power, their, their power and position. Look at verses 30 through 32. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Church, when we visit bloody Calvary and what God did for us through Christ's death, resurrection, and resurrection, our excuses begin to drop off. But when we get away from the cross, when we get away from the cross, and we get away at the get away from the high price the Lord Jesus paid for us, when we get away from how valuable the ministry of the local church is, our excuses will start piling up. But when we get back to the cross and the value of the cross and the ministry of his local church, that he said, though hell come against it, the church is going to stand. Jesus hasn't told a lie yet. Verse 33, the Bible says, "When when they heard that, they were cut to their heart and took counsel to slay them. Boy, they were ticked off. They can't shut them up. They can't stop them. Put them in prison. God let them out. They go right back to preaching and teaching. They arrest them again. They resentence them all over again. And they say, hey, we're, we're going to obey God, not man. And here they are again. They're talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to the people that don't believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and they are ticked off. 
Did you know that God's men are hated? Did you know that? Men of God are hated. Bible-believing preachers are hated. Hated. Do you know Christians are hated? You, you're hated. Do you know there's people hate you for being here today? That's a fact. They hate you for being here today. Why? Well, they've got all kinds of excuses. The reason they hate you for being here is the, the devil's their father. That's why. That's the real reason. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen, the enemy is the one in charge. The devil's in charge. But the church is hated. Men of God are hated. Christians are hated. The church is hated. But God's men and God's church that is sold out to Christ and the gospel, hatred is not nearly a strong enough word for those people. They just despise the work of the Lord. All of hell revolts against the sold out people for Christ. And let me tell you something else. We talk about waiting for things to get normal. If we rise up and we double down in our faith, and we take life day by day as we're, we're told to, the Scripture teaches us, don't be worried about tomorrow. There's enough evil going on today to keep you consumed today. Don't even worry about tomorrow. Yesterday's done happen. Ain't nothing you can do about yesterday. Today, sufficient is the trouble of today, Right? But if we buckle down as a church and we continue to press on and you all actually start sharing the gospel at work, you all start sharing the gospel at, at, at school, you say, Pastor, I'm scared to share the gospel. I'm scared to, and listen, invite them to church. Do something. Grab you a handful of tracks. Leave them at a gas pump. Give them to a, a tenant that's checking you out of the store. Do something. But let's not just sit still and be stagnant. But know this, that's not going to make our church be normal. It's going to make our church be peculiar. And guess who's going to fight? The devil. But he's defeated. He's not going to be defeated. He is defeated. Amen. 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you. Look at this. With meekness and fear. You're not to rise up and be a smart aleck. When somebody questions you about your faith, no, you're to bear the fruit of the Spirit and have meekness and give them the reason why you have hope. God opens another door for the apostles in the church. Let's look here at verses 35 through 39. The Bible says, And said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do is touching these men. Now, this is Gamaliel. He is. Uh, a religious leader, okay? This is actually who Paul learned under before Paul was saved. He learned under Gamaliel in the law of God, all right? He learned under him. Gamaliel was very, very intelligent, but he's part of this council here, and he's stepping back and taking another approach, okay? He's not totally giving these guys a pass. He's just saying, hey, guys, let's think about this for a minute. Verse 35, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Theodos, and boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up, Judas of Galilee, in the days of the taxing, and drew much away from the people. After him, he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. You know what's going on? Gamaliel is starting to 
starting to see through this thing. Now, wait a minute. A lot of things are happening with these Christ followers. We might ought to just pull back a little bit and just back off and see how this thing is. Look what he says to them. He says, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone for this counsel or this work be of men. If it's of men, it will come to naught. In other words, it'll end. If it's of men and God's not in it, it'll come to an end. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God. Gamaliel's advice is a politically smart one. He suggests that if the apostles are following man, it's going to end. But if they're in God, it's not going to end. Church, we are of the church of the living God. The church is going nowhere. The church will be persecuted. The church may even be put in prison, and it is all over the world in places. Most Christians in China have spent time in jail because of their faith. Most of them have. All these things may come, but make sure you know this. The church is going nowhere because Jesus said so. We're to rise up. Number three, trust the God of the church. Notice I didn't say the church of God, but trust the God of the church. Because the church of God is of him. Matthew 16, 18, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If we're the church of the living God, his work and his church will continue. The only way that his work uh, in this local church will discontinue is if we discontinue. But the church as a whole is not going to. It's not my job to make sure we're growing as strong as ever. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's my place to feed the sheep, comfort the saints, and trust God in his word, and promote and encourage you to do the same. Agreement was made on both sides here, that they were just going to pull back for a little bit. And look what the Bible says. And to him, and to him they agreed and when they had called the apostles, I think, isn't this funny? It's not funny. It certainly wasn't funny for them, but isn't it kind of unique? They agreed to listen to Gamaliel. All right, we'll pull back. Now, you think the normal thing to do, since they were in their little legislative, religious legislative process, so to speak, there, would be just to let them go. But the Bible says that they agreed, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them. They didn't just let them go. They, they got one more little lick on them. They beat them. And then they said, oh, yeah, and by the way, we command you that you not speak in the name of Jesus. You'd think they had learned their lesson by now. But neither side had learned their lesson. The apostles were going to keep pressing on. And the enemy is keeping on pressing on, too. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the, I love this, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Been put in jail twice, beaten, delivered twice, beat again. And what do they do? They go right back to the temple and in every house. 
Teaching Jesus. Thank you.